0: from the betting capital of the world.
1: Vegas, baby, Vegas!
0: It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels.
2: It's woo, 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 woo Wednesday here in Sin City, and you are watching Wager Talk. Welcome to all of you watching on the Grid TV network. Welcome The Zumo viewers on Channel 719. Welcome to those listening on the iHeartRadio network and all of our podcast outlets. I'm Ted Sivransky at Teddy underscore covers on Twitter. Joined, as always, by Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. And this is your Sports Central for betters. Let's get right into it, Ralph, because, you know, best two words in sports. Game seven. We've got a Game 7. Let's start with what happened last night. We like to call this B-B-B-B-B-B. Bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books. And underdog and over cash in Houston. We now have a World Series in which the road team has won all six games. Plenty of controversy last night and some late fireworks sent the game over the total. The Nats force a Game 7 for tonight. Last night's result, not a great one for the house.
3: Yeah, again, an exciting series. Uh, I haven't made a play. You know, I had a series play earlier, and uh, you know, I just didn't have a good feel for either of these teams. Uh, obviously, with with the road team winning, that that has to be a historic precedence. I haven't read one way or the other, but you know, uh, the funny thing is uh, on Twitter today. Uh, well, you know, the visitors won all six. The visitors have got to sweep the series, right? I'm not sure about that.
2: Yeah, what happened in the first six games does not necessarily equate with what's going to happen in game number seven. We will have a full breakdown of game seven tonight a little bit later in the show when it comes to big game breakdowns. Nonetheless, lots of controversy last night. The manager gets tossed and lo and behold, the team gets sparked. The Astros had won three in a row and last night they let that one get away late. Do you think that, I mean, when it comes to a game seven, is there anything, does momentum mean anything for a game like this, Ralph? Or do we take last night's game and thoroughly put it away in the that happened last night category? Or is there perhaps some lingering effects for Houston that we might uh, might expect for game seven tonight?
3: Well, again, you know, you, we're looking at a situation where after getting swept 0-2, did you think they were going to get a Washington and bounce back? No. So, I mean, this is an experienced team that has finally started hitting the ball and looking at what they've done the last few days compared to Washington's hitting. You know, uh, is Granky the guy you want on the mound? Well, I don't know. We've seen Verlander not pitch well in the World Series. You obviously probably would prefer Cole there. But, hey, you know, Granky got the win. He pitched uh, four and two-thirds innings and gave up one run in his last start against Washington on the road. So uh, I, I'm not worried about them with their psyche. This is, you know, you win at home. They feel they're the best team in baseball. They feel they have a huge home field edge. I'm sure they feel very comfortable into tonight's game.
2: Let's shift to the NBA uh, from uh, last night. Three games in the association last night. Three games worth talking about from a betting standpoint. The first one, we had a middle. Uh, and anytime betters can cash both sides, legitimate middle last night on that total in the Mavs and the Nuggets. Uh, if you could have cashed unders if you bet it early, you cashed overs if you bet it late. Dallas steals one in Denver, and the game lands in between, goes over the closing total. Savvy betters got this one right.
3: You look at Dallas, I mean, Dallas was down uh, Dallas was down five points going to the fourth quarter. And you look at the half breakdowns in that game. There were 121 points scored in the first half between Dallas and Denver. You know, total of 215 overbetters are rejoicing that they have the money. Well, uh, what was there, 95 points scored in the second half, left it in that middle win-lose push range for all the gamblers.
2: Sure. And of course, we talk a lot about handicapping on this show. That's what we're here to do. We're going to break down as many games as we can every single day. But when it comes to betting skills versus capping skills, the Mavericks Nuggets total last night, a prime example of why every single half point matters. No one should have lost that bet. It doesn't matter what side you had. You're not supposed to lose Mavs Nuggets. Those are supposed to be the very worst games for the house and the very best games for betters. I hope you were able to cash if you had action on that game, regardless whether you had over or under. And Denver certainly it looked like they ran out of gas on the second of back-to-backs, which happens the first time around with the second of back-to-backs. We've talked about that a fair bit already on the show, already early this NBA season. The Atlanta Hawks battled for a quarter and a little into the second. In fact, I think the score was tied when Trey Young got hurt. After Trey Young got hurt... Uh, Atlanta Hawks didn't have a whole lot. Another team on the second night of back-to-backs. Atlanta, blown out by Miami. The Heat took the money. The Heat got the money. And Trey Young's injury doesn't appear too serious. But nonetheless, for as long as he's out, the Atlanta Hawks are going to miss that guy. He was as good as anybody in the league over the first week of the season. I believe he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week, which is something I pay no attention to. But the bottom line is, Trey Young has been really good for the Hawks. He's hurt last night. Uh, we saw Miami able to take advantage.
3: I agree with not paying attention to any NBA awards at all, but what you did need to pay attention to was Trey Young averaged 34 points per game those first three games. Atlanta had 26 points in the first quarter. He goes out after scoring five points and only playing 11 minutes. They scored 23, 21, and 27 the last three quarters. So, yes, your offense cannot count on a player for that long and then lose him in the second quarter and still survive. Not the Atlanta offense, at least.
2: Yeah, and of course, Kevin Herter is still coming back from injury. He wasn't 100% last night uh, either for Atlanta. It mattered. Off the court, we heard all kinds of stuff. LeBron's life completely disrupted by the wildfires in LA. There's fires everywhere. It's a real disaster. If you're in California, uh, I hope that you are doing all well and uh, that you're safe. But off the court, life completely disrupted. On the court, Lakers, no problem. Big second half run out last night uh, to win and cover by margin. A lot of it, Anthony Davis, who got a 40-20, despite only playing three quarters in that game. Fourth quarter was all garbage time. L.A. turned it up in the third.
3: I mean, LeBron was in a situation where at two in the morning they had to leave a house, go look for a hotel. He said he didn't get enough sleep. That's, a, that's an athlete who is in better shape than, than 99.9% of the world. He can survive one night with a few hours less sleep, and he proved it last night.
2: If I'm fleeing a fire, you can't count on me for noon the next day, let alone to come through well. We'll be right back here on Wager Talk. Line Movers coming up next. It's Wednesday in Sin City, and there are lines bouncing all over the place in multiple sports. Let's get right into it. We like to call this segment Line Movers. You want to talk about where the money's going, why it's moving in that direction, and when betters should get their wagers down. Something you want to bet right now? Something you want to wait until closer to tip off or kickoff? That's what this segment is all about. Let's start in the association for tonight. Nobody's betting the Knicks, Ralph. Surprise, surprise. Nobody wants the Knicks. Uh, Orlando with a real rough closeout in Toronto the other night. They actually took the lead in the fourth quarter, and then they let it get away, and then they let the cover get away. A poor execution in the final two, three minutes of that game Uh, for Orlando. Betters don't care. That was last game. They're saying the Magic going to blow out the Knickerbockers tonight. At least the Magic are playing defense. Orlando up to minus 10 at a lot of books. Open 7.5. Not a lot of Knicks money in the association for this evening.
3: Uh, It's a move I don't agree with. You know, you look at Orlando, they're 0-3 ATS on the year. Their last two games, they've shot 35% and 38%. And even home against Cleveland, they only shot 43%. So, again, uh, take everything I say early in the season in the NBA with a grain of salt, but it's not a move I agree with.
2: Yeah, the Magic, not a team uh, I'm comfortable laying double digits with either. Orlando offensively has been very spotty in early season play. I believe they're ranked 28th or 29th in offensive efficiency so far this season. We came into the campaign talking about Minnesota as being the fastest-paced team in the preseason, and we want to be betting T-Wolves games over. Well, the betting markets are saying not tonight. We've seen nothing but under money in Philadelphia, Minnesota. Opened as high as 227 overnight. Now we're looking at 222s. The market's thinking Minnesota not going to be able to control the pace in this one. And Philadelphia defensively, that team looked pretty solid over the first week plus of the NBA campaign.
3: They have. And, Teddy, I'm going to throw this back to you because you did a lot more prep work in the NBA was the total just an over adjustment because they're expecting people to be riding Minnesota over that total because I don't have a feel why this total moved as much as it did but that's my guess your thought on that
2: well i mean the markets with the exception of that first game uh, that Minnesota played against Brooklyn that went over that you know flew over the total uh, in regulation before the overtime uh, since that time we've seen at least some wise guy money betting on Minnesota under the total again when you look at the full season stats and you factor in from last year and all of that kind of stuff we haven't seen that momentum building for the t-wolves over despite their fast pace in the preseason clearly today the market's once again betting minnesota under the number that preseason pace not necessarily affecting how the markets are looking at minnesota right now here early in this nba season we've seen another big total move in the nba as well uh, that, of course, in D.C., where the Wizards uh, at home against Houston, the Rockets coming off a very poor three-point shooting game against OKC. Markets saying, don't expect that twice in a row. Over money, big over money in D.C. between the Rockets and the Wizards.
3: At least we know with the Rockets, I believe they are the fastest paced team so far this year. They're shooting up the ball. I can understand this line move, expecting them to bounce back. Don't, you know, again, I'm not going to bet the line move, but I understand where it's coming from.
2: Sure. And of course, you know, the Rockets, their offensive efficiency hasn't really been there in early season play. They were talking about how pleased they were with their defense following their win. Of course, Houston is yet to cover a point spread this young NBA season. Surprise, surprise, not. <laughs> wise guys are fading the Patriots, uh, Ralph. And we see it year after year, week after week, game after game. The money came for Cleveland last week in New England. and lo and behold, the money's coming against the Patriots again this week. New England, with a ridiculous statistical profile, the wise guys say, we don't care what your defense looks like on paper. We think Lamar Jackson's going to be able to run holes in it. Ravens taking money down to three and a half against the Patriots. This one opened as high as New England, minus six and a half.
3: You know, it's the Patriots, and I'm not going to bet against them, but at least I do understand why. You talked about the statistical profile being absurd. Well, their strength of schedule is as absurd or even more absurd. You know, four games against Miami, the Jets, the Jets and Washington. Oh, yeah. And then add a Giants game in there and then a Cleveland game where they're plus three turnovers and a Buffalo game uh, that they're plus three turnovers. And you understand why their statistical profiles there. I'm not going to line up to bet against the Patriots but I do understand the move. And of
2: course, I mean, the one tough team they played on the road in the game in Buffalo, where, uh, yeah, the Patriots got the win, Uh, it wasn't pretty that game, and uh, they were not the right side in that game. Outgained by
3: 151 (laughs) yards in that game, yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's a, a, a statistical profile for New England that the sharp money is clearly saying they haven't played anybody that's any good. And now they are playing a team that is pretty good in Baltimore, rested and ready off of their buy. Let's shift to college football, where we've seen the markets bouncing around all over the place. Adrian Martinez for Nebraska now upgraded to probable. And the Huskers upgraded to minus three on the road against that banged up Purdue Boilermaker team. Martinez is worth something to the point spread. The markets saying he's worth a lot because Nebraska's backup QB has heard they were down to a third stringer last week. And it wasn't pretty against Indiana. Huskers only one point spread cover all year Yet they've taken a boatload of money here against a Purdue team that, well, they got beaten by Illinois last week and beaten soundly in that ball game.
3: Yeah. You're not, you're not getting me to back Nebraska in this. Adrian Martinez was there against South Alabama. He was there against Colorado. He was there against Northern Illinois. He was there against Illinois. He was there against Ohio state. He was there against Northwestern. So, uh, you know, I understand Nebraska was had so much money and so much hype early, especially we talked about what the Iowa Sportsbook opening and Adrian Martinez having more money on the Heisman than the rest of the voters combined. Uh, to me, it, it's hype until he proves it on the field. So no thank you for me.
2: <laughs> well, uh, here's another one. I'm confident you're going to say no thank you. And uh, this is one that odds uh, a head scratcher for me. Why are they betting Syracuse, Ralph? Syracuse has been bet up now three. I'm seeing three and a half pop up as the home favorite against BC. This, like Nebraska, this is a crucial game for bowl eligibility for Nebraska. It's a crucial game for bowl eligibility for both Syracuse and BC, but it's everybody as important to BC as it is to Syracuse, and Syracuse isn't any good. Why are they betting them? What do you, do you have any take on this one? This was one line move that really surprised me. Three and a half popping up on the Boston College Eagles.
3: How's this for a response, Teddy? Uh, I agree. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Syracuse, you know, uh, uh, on the st- on the college football stat sheet, I do. Syracuse is number one hundred and ten at minus 0.9 yards per play, and they can't stop the run. BC may be without their starting quarterback, but they still have some guy who can rush the ball.
2: <laughs> they sure do. No question about that. We're seeing UCLA steam showing. UCLA steam, Ralph. Bet up against Colorado. Of course, the Bruins showing signs of life. The Buffalo show signs of life last week at home. They still lost. And now they got to travel to LA. Do you believe that there is a second half turnaround for Chip Kelly and company? The markets seem to think that's coming.
3: I do. I look at USC and they're plus 48 yards per game in conference play. Throw out Cincinnati, San Diego State, and Oklahoma because DTR was just pitiful. But, uh, you know, you look at the offense, 657, 443, 492, 455, and then last week, 393. But they were, you know, uh, they had the field position where they didn't need the yards. I'm buying into UCLA. Me and you both, brother. Uh,
2: I'm a, officially a Bruins believer after ripping Chip Kelly for the entirety of the first half of the campaign. Real quick, quick, let's sneak one more in. Tennessee money showing. They're stepping down in class against UAB, and they're coming off a 20-point blowout win. Blazers haven't been dogs in any game this season. They're, they're dogs in Knoxville.
3: I, you know, I believe in UAB's defense. They're pretty good. Obviously, they're a team I want at home, but I have no interest in Tennessee in this spot.
2: When we come back here on Wager Talk, big game breakdowns, including World Series Game 7, NBA Tonight, college football, and NFL. Stay tuned right here on the 4th grade team. Light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Join dailyroto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you're doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION, A-C-T-I-O-N, for a 10% discount. Dailyrodo.com where millionaires are made. Ralph, there's two words that are better than any other two words in sports. First word is game. Second word is seven. We've got one. All right, I got a, I got a question
3: team. for you. What? Of those, baseball, NBA finals, or NHL game seven, which do you prefer? Uh, I don't know.
2: All of them. <laughs> I don't. It's not like there's a, there's a, I'm sitting there going, oh, well, this is a crappy game seven because it's a you know uh, I don't watch a lot of hockey. So hockey's not my thing, but but baseball or NBA Game 7, they're exciting. It's winner take all. It's what we want, and it's been a compelling series. And we have the Houston Astros, minus 135, total of 7.5 against the Washington Nationals. Now, the starting pitchers are Scherzer against Greinke. How long the starters last, Scherzer's back. Neck, which was in a brace two days ago and on the plane. Uh, But he warmed up last night, was ready to go in a high leverage situation. Uh, We don't know how long Scherzer's going to last, how effective he's going to be. Greinke, a pitcher who has not been at his best in big games necessarily throughout the course of his career. You love Greinke pitching against a team that can't hit, he'll mow them down. Greinke in a game seven is not something I'm all that interested in. And of course, the home team, when you look at the history Home team 19-20 and in World Series winner-take-all game. That's not a winning record. That's not anything I want to lay a price with. Uh, Three straight losses for the home team, including the last time the Dodgers lost to the Astros, who were on the road. Um, That being said, seven of the last eight teams to force a World Series Game 7 on the road, as the Nats did on Tuesday, went on to lose the series. But the one uh, that uh, happened very recently, the Cubs forced Game 7 on the road and went on to win that series. Hey, it's exciting, and there's a line and a total. What are you thinking about for tonight if you were going to get involved in Game 7 of the World Series?
3: Well, I'm not a fan of taking a player out of routine and, you know, they didn't take Scherzer out of routine and injury forced him out of routine. So, you know, we have eight days rest versus Granke on regular rotation. But Scherzer, I mean, he's he's a pitcher that has had much better numbers on the road. His whip is .95 on the road. He went nine and two. The team went ten and four, a two point four nine ERA. And look at this number. At home this year, Serzer had a 4.9 strikeout to walk ratio. On the road, 8.7. Almost four more strikeouts on the road than at home. You know, with that said, though, I-, I think you're you're taking an Astros at a very fair price. An experienced team that's been there, done that, been through game sevens. Um, I, I, I'm not going to have a play on the side or the total, but I, I would take the home team to win for the first time this world series. Your thoughts. Yeah, and I'm not
2: willing to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely not willing to. I'm, I'm not willing to lay a price in a series where we've seen absolutely no home field advantage and where the better pitcher is going for the underdog. And I understand that, the, that the, no pitcher is going to get left in long enough to get rocked tonight. You know, this is not a game with crooked numbers that we can expect on the scoreboard uh, because not only the bullpen's in play, but every pitcher on on both teams in play, including Garrett Cole, uh, who we've heard a lot of talk about. He's going to come in after Granke. Granke is not a guy that I trust. And if Houston's playing from behind, you know, the crowd is <laughs> the stress increases. I can only take Washington this one. But like you, Ralph, if I get involved. It's going to be a recreational-sized wager, not a let's load up and dump our bankroll in on Game 7 type wager. Um, lean towards the dog. And it's worth noting, Greinke, the fourth pitcher to start a Game 7 of the World Series after playing for a different team earlier in the season, things did not go well for the first three guys who had that role. Uh, for what it's worth, including you Darvish in 2017 with the Dodgers who got bombed and he was out of the game by the second inning
3: NBA time Ralph before we go to the NBA I have one quick I have one quick question for you if Houston scores a run or two runs in the first does that all of a sudden intrigue you for a live betting situation to jump on the Nationals at a very big price
2: probably not if I get involved I'm more more likely to be involved pre uh first pitch and if Houston gets a lead I don't view that as a positive sign for uh for the Nats no uh, I think the team that first uh, scores first is very much and uh, uh, is more uh, much more likely to win than lose. So uh, it's not a situation well, let's, where let's, I'm hoping that Houston gets a good not, gets a run or two and then I get a big plus price with Washington. No, I think if Houston gets a run or two, Washington's in trouble early on.
3: Let's talk some Before NBA. M- M- Milwaukee clearly was. The class of the East, at least as as far as the betting terms go, they are now laying three points at Boston. The Celtics as a home dog. Total of 224. Your take on that game.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've seen a pretty steady Milwaukee money uh, so far today. The betting markets do not trust this Boston Celtics team one iota. And obviously it's a team that, you know, we we talk about where a team is now compared to where they were at the end of last season. You know Milwaukee with seven of their top nine scores back. The rotations are very comparable, and the Bucks look a whole lot like the team that we saw, uh, you know, make the Eastern Conference Finals against Toronto uh, last year. The Celtics are very much a work in progress right now. That being said, you know we finally saw Kimball Walker break out of a little early season funk and come through with a huge game for Boston the other night. Uh, and my number on the game came shorter. Now the Celtics do have front court injuries, and that's not necessarily good news. Going up uh, against a team like the Bucks, who can pound the paint, and that's probably going to keep me on the bo- off the Boston side here. But uh, my number came shorter than this, uh, much closer to them than the three that we're seeing. It feels like the type of game that's going to come down to a final possession or two. I would not sell the Bucks short. The markets are doing that, or the uh, the Celtics short. I should say the markets appear to be doing that right about now.
3: A pair of three and one teams as the LA Clippers play at Utah tonight. Utah three and a half, a total of 216.
2: Yeah, and, and money coming uh, for this favorite as well. Pretty significant money uh, coming for the Jazz. This was as low as one and a half and two uh, overnight. Now we're looking at three and a half pretty much across the board uh, for the Jazz. I haven't seen any updated injury info uh, on a, for a move like this for an ESPN game. Uh, a lot of times it comes with, oh, so-and-so is not playing, uh, but whatever it is, it's not public info yet. Uh, Utah taking the money. All that said, I'm in no rush to bet against the Clips. The Clips have impressed the heck out of me. And I know, okay, this is the game they'll miss poor Paul George. They, they haven't needed Paul George, you know. Uh, and and they're going to get him back, but they haven't needed him thus far. Uh, I'm a Clippers believer. Uh, and I understand that going up to Utah, and facing a Jazz team. And the Jazz have off-the-charts defensive numbers. Uh, I also watched the Jazz try to d- do everything they could to blow uh, a game in Phoenix the other night. Uh, and I'm not looking at Utah as a finished product either, especially with Conley struggling. I thought the Conley, uh, the transition to Conley at Point would be a little bit more seamless than it's been. Um, the bottom line <laughs> is that the Jazz are not a team I'm particularly trusting as, Chuck, you're saying Utah's up to six now. What did I miss? Something must have just happened.
3: Uh, you know, it, it jumped up to six a little bit ago as I was looking on my screen, so uh, yeah. I see sixes oh, here we go. and even so a six out. and a half.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that changes everything, and that just that just got announced uh, fairly recently, so my apologies for not having that earlier. Yeah, that kind of changes the handicap of the game with Kawhi out. All that said, what do we love to do in the NBA? Kawhi's out. The market's knee-jerk. Utah, Utah, Utah. What do the Jazz do? They let down. What do the Clippers do? Hey, we want to see if we can win one without our star. Uh, in a game like this, where the markets have already moved, it's definitely a situation where all I'm interested in is betting against that market move. Even with the superstar out, happens all the time in the NBA. Wouldn't be surprised at all that the Clippers battle start to finish in this
3: one. College football. Let's talk some. Let's talk some pigskin on Saturday. You know, I'm going to start this off, Teddy, and throw it to you to to finish it off. I had no interest in SMU, this opening number, but you know it's a game now where SMU got a wake-up call against Houston getting outgained. They're now going into a fevered pitch with ESPN game day for Memphis. The line has become inflated because of that. Now, all of a sudden, I may be interested in the SMU Mustangs against the Memphis, Memphis Tigers who are laying six with a total of 71 and a half.
2: SMU's better than Memphis, aren't they? I mean, I I understand they didn't play their best game last week against Houston. And again, when you're talking about a team that is undefeated this late in the season, the pressure mounts and the pressure builds and it continues to build with each succeeding victory. And teams often collapse under the pressure. And would I be shocked if SMU gets smacked here? I would not. And if they get beat, I expect them to get whipped. You know, it's going to be over. Uh, That being said... I think SMU is the better of these two teams. They're coming off a national TV game in which they didn't play particularly well. And this team's pouring in from the other side. No, uh, this isn't chalk I want to lay. I understand the Memphis money, not my money. SMU or pass for this better. So many more big games to talk about. A ton of them, Ralph. College football, NFL, NBA, World Series. We're just getting started here on Wager Talk. Plenty more to come including, let's do, should we try to squeeze in one more before the break, Georgia yeah, and Florida? Look, look,
3: you know, Georgia-Florida no. is a game where I think Georgia has the better quarterback. I think they have the better running back. I think they have the better wide receivers. Uh, Florida is 4-0. ATS is a dog the last two years, which you have to respect, but I do lean the Bulldogs in this game.
2: Yeah, we'll pick up a little more Georgia-Florida after the break, and then we'll get into the NFL right here on
3: Waiter. Check me.
2: Follow Ralph on Twitter at Cal You can follow me on Twitter at Petty You should definitely, you can follow him. you should definitely be following SportsGrid TV. Follow on YouTube. Follow on Instagram, SportsGrid TV. That will get you access to all of these. You'll get notifications. When we come on air, you'll get clips, you'll get shows. SportsGrid TV on YouTube and on Instagram. Please follow today. Ralph, before we get into NFL, we'll get into NFL in just a minute, I want to finish on Georgia-Florida. I felt we gave it short. We can't give that game 30 seconds before the break. That's a huge contest. And you made a great point talking about Dan Mullen and Florida as an underdog. Mullen's an underdog coach that we like. The Gators, an underdog team this season. And Georgia, I'm telling you, we've seen it three times now. That this Bulldogs offense with all the talent they have at wide receiver and at running back and on the offensive line and at quarterback, they're not scoring points. We saw it in the Notre Dame game. We saw it in the South Carolina game. We saw it in the Kentucky game. Now they have had the bye, but they're facing an elite defense and they're facing a coach who I like in the underdog role. So any last take, clearly you see which way I'm leaning. For me, it's Florida or passing that one.
3: Yeah, we're, we're going to disagree on this one, Teddy, because I look at Florida's defense. Look at the quarterbacks they faced. Miami of Florida, no quarterback. Kentucky, no quarterback. Tennessee, no quarterback. Auburn, a freshman quarterback making his, uh, a road start. Against LSU, they gave up 511 yards, and then last week at South Carolina, you know, they gave up 387 yards. Uh, I just don't see anyone that compares to Fromm on that list. So, yeah, I agree with the numbers, but when I match them up, uh, I, th- I think Georgia does get the job done here.
2: So on the graphic you know, that we're going to show right now, we're going to show the Pittsburgh Steelers at minus one and 43 and a half against Indy. We have seen money come in on the Colts and pretty heavily over the course of the last hour, much like the uh, Utah game. Uh, we're in the NBA where the clips announced Kawhi out and we've seen a big line move the Pittsburgh Steelers have some injury concerns that are affecting the markets this morning over the course of the last hour. We've seen nothing but in money Steelers Colts. Basically this game's a pick them right now. Indy plus one Pittsburgh plus one. What's your take uh, on this one, Ralph?
3: Yeah, there there's different levels of injury reports. And when, You know, when the Pittsburgh newspaper that I know a lot of people read all of a sudden has the story that the Steelers may be without with Connor and they may be without Snell and they have to go to their number three, Jalen Samuels, who's finally healthy. And, you know, we weren't impressed with Rudolph last week. I completely understand that line move. I I do lean Colts in this game a little bit. Uh, Do you have a take on this game, Teddy, a little stronger than my slight lean on the Colts?
2: Oh, I like Pittsburgh. Uh, You know, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, there's no comparison between these two teams. The Steelers have a defense and the Colts don't. And we've seen that. And from a yards per play standpoint, it's very clear. Pittsburgh almost a full yard better uh, on defense, especially against the run of the Steelers defense significantly better than Indianapolis. Um, And then we look at the spot. It's a Colts team. They have won three in a row. They won five of their last six. This isn't a circle the wagons. We got to win this game. They got that last week. Pittsburgh is still saying we're live for this season. We're not giving up on our campaign. We're good enough to uh, to hang around and and do something this year. I think in a pick'em game like this, uh, the Steelers are, are the clear choice for me. Uh, I want no part of the Colts this week.
3: Just FYI, I mean, the Colts are 14-3 and their last 17 games. I mean, that's a record I think that would shock most people, you know, when, when you put that to them. Well, let's talk about an early game in London, 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 here in Las Vegas. We got an early morning Sunday breakfast game. Jacksonville, my question to you is this, Teddy. They've been in London seven straight years. They've gone three and one. Do you adjust your power ratings for the familiarity? And how does Houston survive without J.J. Watt and perhaps without their best offensive lineman in Tunsil? Yet the Texans still a one and a half point favorite, a total of 47.
2: Well, in answer to your question, I do think it is an advantage for the Jacksonville Jaguars to go through this routine every single year. And the fact that they are 3-1 straight up in London over the last four seasons and they're familiar with the process absolutely deserves to be factored into the handicapping equation. Normally, a London game, you don't give either team anything for home field. I gave the Jags a point. Uh, I thought there was at least some edge for the fact that they've been there and they've won there. It's one thing to just be there. <laughs> it's another thing to be there and win there. They've done that with this coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, even though it's a different quarterback this time around. Um, it's a situation that the familiarity with the venue can only help the team that's familiar with it, and that's not necessarily the Houston Texans. So I can understand the Jags' money 100%. The J.J. Watt injuries, Impact on that Watt, you know, Merciless is their leading sacker this year. But the reason Merciless is their leading sacker is because J.J. Watt gets double-teamed every time. So now you're going to see a situation where we really wonder about Houston's ability to get to the opposing quarterback. And if you want to beat Gardner Minshew, look, Minshew is very much a rookie. He's capable of making plenty of mistakes. He's not, you know, uh, an elite or anything close to an elite QB yet. But if you want to give him trouble, you got to put him in a situation where he's playing from behind. and You got to put him in a situation where he's under pressure. I don't know the Texans are going to be in either of those situations this week. That's why I certainly understand the early week money on the Jacksonville Jaguars.
3: Let's also remember Jacksonville has had two games this year with eight or nine sacks and we know what Deshaun Watson becomes when he has that pressure on him. Well, you know, Carolina, so much was made of Kyle Allen, five straight wins to start off a season. Well, what happens after loss? Number one, what happens when a team is now four and three and you start thinking, well, if we lose this, we're four and four. What happens to a quarterback, a young quarterback who had a one three ratio last week? Can he bounce back? Carolina hosting Tennessee, the Panthers four, 41 and a half?
2: And we're seeing pretty steady Titans money. The fours are disappearing as we speak. Uh, I expect the markets to be in full at three and a half by tomorrow. So if you do like Tennessee, I would grab a four right now with a Titans team off back to back wins. And you say, is there momentum there for Tennessee? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'm not going to call them the right side against Tampa. They were able to take advantage of turnovers and they created turnovers. I can credit, Uh, but it wasn't if you. It wasn't a rocking chair win. The previous week uh, against the Chargers, that was a game where they oh we missed a field goal. Uh, oops, you know uh, that's how Tennessee escaped with that victory. So it's it's certainly not a Titans team that I've got a big buy sign on right now. And yet, if you ask me, how am I looking to play Tennessee games? I'm looking to take the dog in Tennessee games. And Carolina is not a team I have a whole lot of interest in laying more than a field goal with. At this stage of the campaign, I really thought that what happened last week would give them the perfect excuse to go back to Cam Newton after Allen won his first four starts in a Panthers uniform uh, after their 0-2 start. I'm like, all right, Cam Newton's foot's better. He's going to be back in the lineup next week, and uh, now they don't have to bench a quarterback who's red hot. Except for that, that Newton's been already ruled out uh, for this week, and Allen's going to be back behind center again. and. I think that, too, is why we're seeing some of this Tennessee money. Betty Markets might have thought we were going to see Cam Newton. We're not going to see Cam Newton. What we are going to see is a quarterback who struggled mightily last week playing against a pretty good Titans pass defense um, for what it's worth.
3: We've talked about the Dolphins often, and we've talked about how you moved them up in their power ratings the last few games as they've been – Competitive with Fitzpatrick, but I, I pulled up this out of my database going back to 2000. So, in 20 NFL seasons, we've only had four teams in 20 seasons to be an away favorite with only one win from week six on. So, you have a one win team, you've played at least five games, and now you're an away favorite. Five times in the history of the NFL tells us that these Miami Dolphins still aren't a very good team. But can we lay a field goal with the Jets on the road? The total's 40 and a half.
2: Well, this is kind of a stinker. (laughs) Nonetheless, it's an NFL game, and people are going to bet on it. Uh, And I know that we do have a lot of audience on the East Coast, even though we're here in Sin City, and they always want Jets and Giants and Eagles and Bills uh, info. So we do our best to include as many of those games as possible. As for this game, I will be perfectly honest with you, and that's what we try to do on this show. You know, we're not going to make up opinions when we don't have something. If we don't like a game, we say, I don't like a game. Which poison do you want to take in this one? All right. I'm not going to ask Miami to win. And this is a point spread range that they got to win or come pretty darn close to do it in order to cover. And yes, I've raised the Dolphins' power rating from being one of the worst teams in NFL history to just being the worst team in the NFL this year. So yeah, Miami has a priority has gone up uh into you know a very, very bad team as opposed to the worst team ever uh, category. Those aren't teams I'm looking to back at plus three, especially on a short week, off another loss, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, we saw what happened with the Redskins game when they tried to lay points in Miami. You can't lay points on the road with bad teams. The Jets might not be quite as bad as their 1-6 and record would indicate, but they're still a squad. You know, now today, Jamal Adams is, you know, cursing out the GM because he was on the trade block, and he didn't get traded, but he's still mad at the GM for considering uh, trade offers for him. That's not a happy locker room. That's not a team I can lay points with, and I don't want Miami at plus three. I don't want the Jets at minus three. Easiest pass on the board for me.
3: Question back to you, Teddy. Uh, you know, we don't talk about teasers much, and obviously in the NFL you want to get from, you know, before three up to, you know, up to the nine range. But with the Jets offense as bad as it is and, and seeing Fitzpatrick competitive, for our teaser fans out there, is this the game you might be thinking about teasing with Miami plus the nine?
2: Oh, no, of course not. Anytime I'm going to tease, I'm teasing. I mean, the very strict line parameters for what I tease. I'm teasing favorites. Of seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, down under a uh, under a field goal, and I'm teaching uh, teasing underdogs of one and a half, two, two and a half, up over a touchdown, and those are the only teasers I consider. And at three, I have no interest in that because you're paying a price for the the to get six points, and, and you don't need them. You only need five points. So uh, no, this isn't a, a teaser candidate for me. And the other issue with Miami, all right, as we saw against the Steelers, as we saw the previous week against Buffalo, all right it's a sweat with the Dolphins, even at the end of the game. They're live for a late turnover. They're live to screw you at the end. No, uh, this isn't the one that I'll be excited about the, uh, playing teasers with you know, bills made. detroit and jets
3: no the detroit the detroit lions are a team that people said are going to be horrible after they tied arizona then they beat the Chargers in philadelphia and their stock is high then they lose to kansas city green bay and minnesota their stock's low again then they eke out a win against detroit oakland at home for the first time in six weeks for the first time in five games the total through the roof 50 and a half. I learned my lesson last week. I had Oakland Houston over that fell short or pushed at best. What do you make of Oakland minus two? And again, a very high total of 50 and a half.
2: You can understand the high total. Uh, All right. The Raiders haven't allowed a sack in three weeks. Derek Carr's not throwing picks. This is an efficient offense right now. And the Lions defense. I mean, uh, you know, without digs, the pass rush takes a hit. If the secondary's banged up. I think Oakland's going to get their fair share uh, this week. I look at the Raiders' offense. It's not loaded with big-time talent. But on the other hand, they're finding ways to score points. And Oakland's is abysmal. Matt Stafford can chuck it around. No surprise here if this game does get up and over that total of 50.5. When we come back, we're going to talk power rankings versus power ratings no difference huge difference stay tuned right here ah wait you talking We call this segment Betting 101 and the show. Talking about some of the key concepts to help you make educated wagers. And I'm gonna start with this one, Ralph. This is something we haven't talked about that we need to talk about. Power rankings versus power ratings. Huge difference between what is it, like one or two letters? <laughs> you know, NK versus T. Power rankings are when you list out the teams in whatever order that you have them in. Whether it's NFL, you're going to list them out 1 to 32. And college football, you list them out 1 to 130. And there's no difference in the difference between what 1 and 2 would be versus 29 and 30 versus 129 and 130. Power ratings are what betters you. Power ratings are going to put a, a point differential or a point spread differential that you can create between the two teams. and Ralph, you've got a great example here from the very bottom of your college football power rating.
3: I do. You know, if you look at my power ratings, from number 119 to 128, you have a 19 difference, and I have a 5.5 difference. But there are some horrible teams, see Akron and UMass. So from 128 to 129, I have a six and a half point difference as well. So if you are looking at the team's rankings, you're only going to see one apart. If you're looking at my ratings, Bowling Green is number 128. They have a 45 rating. Akron is 129. They have a 37.5 rating. And on the flip side, Teddy, I just want to make an example. There are times that we look at defensive numbers or offensive numbers. And when you're number one, You don't have any place to go higher. You have a limit. There are times when perhaps the number one team should be a negative four or five team, but they're only a one difference because one's as good as it gets. 130 is as low as it gets. So you have limits on your tops and bottoms.
2: So the bottom line for us, we spend a lot of time thinking and looking at power rating with numbers attached to them. When it comes to power rankings, just listing the teams, one to 32 or one to 130, that's for the Joes. We like to be pro here on Queen. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to spend with Ralph and I. We'll be back again in 23 hours. Stay tuned right now for At the Window. Drew Martin and Sean Guastamacchia coming up next right here on the SportsGrid TV Network.